Hey Jordan, good to see you. Nice to see you, Neil. As always. It's How's been a while. Family? It's it been had. a few weeks since we recorded the last one. Yeah. What happened again? I was sick. You hung over yeah. or something. No, 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 I wasn't hung over. I was actually <laughs> sick. Sure. What do you take me for? You always think I'm a stoner I and do. I'm always hung over. <laughs> I told you this before, man. It's because you have long hair. I assume that you're onto some kind of drug and you're just not letting me know. <laughs> I but could it, be, I could be. Maybe it's such a dangerous drug, I'm, I'm not willing to admit it on this uh, this forum. Yeah, <laughs> you have to let me in on why your eyes look so relaxed all the time. If you're not. There's got to be something. I do look stoned all the time for some That's reason. True. I actually do, and I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's really bizarre. And you, for years, ever since I've met you, you've had those real moon eyes. Damn. I'll be like, I am on the moon. So yeah. I don't know what happened. And neither do you, actually. So that's the bottom of that. It's not nice, yeah. Is it then? No. Well, you look kind of... You look like easy to approach. That's a nice... But I, it can also it. look as disinterested, which is not, not that's good. That's also true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'm genuinely not. I'm not tired. <laughs> the one... The, sometimes I am just tired. Uh, and I don't hide that very well. But this web series I did ages ago called Who Would You Rather? I looked stoned throughout the whole thing. Mm. And I wasn't at all. I was quiet. I, I wasn't sleeping very well. Did you appear reason. switched on though? Or was there a lot of comments of, yeah, check out this tripper? There were a, a few. I wouldn't say a lot of comments, but there were a few. Yeah. Right. In my last uh, stand-up, spe- no, not in the last one, the one before that, people said, oh, this guy's high. This guy's definitely high. <laughs> and I wasn't. <laughs> I was... I, I, that one, my delivery, I was specifically trying to be really slow, and I think that contributed to it. And I had the long hair, and I had that. It was the, it was the one you saw, mm. the green oversized shirt. So look, for uh, I'm not a I'm not a stoner, okay. <laughs> I do look. I enjoy the occasional joint, but have you ever I gone on stage? A stoner. Have you ever gone on stage high? No, I've gone on stage scary, under a few, uh, like having had a few drinks, never drunk. Um, but do you think maximum... that improves it? I, I think that you think that you did better. But I think the audience would be sitting there saying, oh, yeah. well, that's what I paid money for, incoherent sentences. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't think it improves it at all. I do it yeah. for my personal enjoyment. <laughs> <laughs> a boy deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah hard at work. <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? That you and guys that hold the stop slow signs are pretty much the only people that could come to work sort of baked or drunk and you can get by. So um, what I'm saying is, yeah, you landed yeah. a good gig there, mate. Yeah. I mean, some people even say it's better to have one or two drinks when you go on stage. Yeah, but who are those it's people? social lubricant. Loose cunts, aren't they? Yeah, true. It depends on the audience. Because the thing is, it's really weird because you do look like a loose cunt, but you, you aren't. Which actually is the do reason I? that I want to talk. Yeah. Why do I look? Is it the long hair again? It's the long hair. And I do. Yes. The long hair and the stoned eyes. What do you think you're going to look What's like? What's wrong with my eyes? Damn. <laughs> Maybe I just have consistent hay fever. I don't know what it is, but it is something. I, I noticed it in my videos as well. I tried it. I don't know. I genuinely don't know what it is. Well. I'm just bored all the time. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that. <laughs> I have I very low that. attention spam. Actually, man, I hate how this always is the way that we start our pods with this little interval of... You'd imagine we'd be on Humphrey B. Bear of, oh, that's a great way to start story time, <laughs> kids. But look, now that we're here, we may as well. We really do ease into it, don't we? We do ease. Mm. Yeah. Look, I have a question. It's like friendly banter and then, boom, really serious issues. Yeah. And, and always with this posture. No, but it's usually you. <laughs> um, I, I do have a question about that while you're just talking about it, though. Sure. Which, <laughs> so, right. Again, dude, yeah, it is so... Just easy relax and then, yeah, straight into it. But <laughs> how happy are you with your life right now? <laughs> very. I'd say very. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Out of 10. Nine. It's, it's really good. That's mad, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good place, man. I'm I was expecting happy. you to say four, but there you go. That's Why? Four. I don't know. Just, <laughs> I mean, look at it, man. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's just like, it's, I, I just Jeez. don't see that many people that are content. So I just imagine that you weren't. No, neither do I. So if you were like... If you not- asked me last year, it would be, it would have been a lot lower. Where? Well, what happened? I wouldn't say four. Um, maybe a six. What's the difference? 
It's been a good year. It's been a, like it's, it's been a killer year, man. I gotta um, say, you know what? By the way, we're, this is gonna be this is actually 2020. This will be going out, but we are we are filming this at the end of 2019. Happy New Year! Yeah. Yes. But what? Sorry. What were you? Um. What was the question again? Oh, where's my life? How would you? How would I rate my life? Yeah. yeah but why no, man, I'm 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 a I'm a happy guy right now. But why is it? This is what I'm trying to get to. What was the difference between a six and a nine? What is that difference? Ooh. I think there are a myriad of factors, but... Well, what I spoke about in one of those previous uh, podcasts was just... Not just the mindfulness, but being generally more aware of my state of mind, which is mindfulness, Jesus. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And practicing gratitude. (laughs) Yep. It's real high tech here. Um, just generally adopting more of the traits of a basic white girl, essentially. That's right. You're a huge fan of those Instagram posts, aren't you? Growing about my hair 60, long, subs. getting all these uh, house plants, about to get a cat, eating healthily, practicing gratitude. I am a white girl. You are, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. And it's a cool life, I've got to uh, say. It's great, yeah. <laughs> Kombucha is awesome. It's really cool to know that those chicks that are Instagram influencers in Bali, because it's cheaper to live there, you can live like a king off a small salary, despite the fact that they probably have about 100,000 likes on Instagram. They're living the life there. It's nice to know that they're having a 9 out of 10 life. Like, Do the you... pictures don't lie. Yeah, but aren't they all depressed? Well, that's don't the stereotype, all... but you're living the life, so you tell me. I'm not living, I'm not in Bali being an Insta model. I know, the Parramatta Road is there, it's the opposite of Bali. It's, a, it's the, the Bali for ethnics. <laughs> it is! We've made it. We're in Burwood. It's so true. Mm. You can tell by how many ethnics there are in active wear. They love this place. Yeah. Um, but, sorry. Anyway, yeah, well. Um, the, but, yeah, look, the, the, what, what I'm trying to get to here, I guess, is that mm. there's a thing called, like, a blueprint for life. Okay. All right, here's a segue. Here it comes. And uh, but can before you start, can I ask what what how would you rate your uh, life out of ten? Eight. Okay. And I've thought about this long and hard in the last five minutes of my drive here. Okay. And I would say it's the same thing that yes, personally, this year has been very good to me. I don't know why that is. I feel like twenty sixteen was a shit year. I feel okay. like 2015 kind of sucked as well. And then 2017 was all right. 2018 was all right. And then, yeah, I, I, I think I think another big thing about it is, like, how long have you been in the YouTube game now, Neil? Uh, uh, had a following, like a consistent following on YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah. Seven years now. 2013. Mm. That was Australian Two Minutes. So, yeah, seven years. That sounds about right. Wow. I had it for seven years. Fuck, I've had it for seven years too. Jesus. That's a Aaron, long time. It is. But I think that's what happens is if you... It takes a few years to actually just get accustomed to the fact that you that, that is your life now. Oh. And you keep thinking that it could be snatched away at any second. Yeah. But then you just realise you live in the long tail now and that's not going to happen. This is it. Unless society collapses. This is who we are. Yeah. <laughs> just keep doing this and then one day it'll be like, yeah, so Neil and Jordan can't uh, go today because uh, Jordan's dead. Uh, and so, yeah, I guess it's just Neil now. Yeah. <laughs> so true. That That's basically... And he's still stoned. <laughs> <laughs> Intermittently said through oxygen mask breaths. That's all mm. what. I, that's kind of like yeah. I guess that that's like yeah. You get accustomed to that happening, but it's also I think that it's the same thing that they talk about in the business cycle, which is that you spend the first two years in a business mm-hmm. trying to break even. Then you spend the yeah. next two years breaking even, and then if it starts profiting, you start profiting in the fifth year, and you see that seven-year business cycle for a business that is going to survive the long term so i guess we're no different but i think there's a reason that i was less happy with it because i was thinking about it and objectively i should be very happy where my life is because on paper i got it all man Mm. but like i think yeah what's happened is i'm not i am happy doing what i'm doing now but i see where it needs to go and that's what I'm wondering with you. Okay. Do you have like a long-term plan? And by long-term, oh, yeah. dude, no, no, but like n- not just like the next five years or whatever. Like 
when you're 50 years old. Have you ever thought about that? It's a fucking crazy thought. Mm, not, not, um, not in any detail. Yeah. But there are certain uh, loose ideas of, of what I want to achieve uh, by the time I am 50. Yeah? Yeah. Such as? <laughs> <laughs> Quizzing you? Stop looking stoned. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, That's so good. A nice <laughs> 2060 goal. Uh, a big thing for me is I uh, I would like to, you know what? I want to release a stand-up special that is considered one of the great stand-up specials of all time. That is just timeless and classic and, you know, people, it's the sort of special that people look back at uh, years, decades from now. And that generally ties into the goal of just wanting to uh, become a, a better stand-up. Well, what do you think of the stand-up shows that are up there? On YouTube on at the caliber. moment. Mm, not necessarily. Oh. Also, Netflix. Don't on forget Netflix. that. The shit curated YouTube. Sorry, I've got I such mean, strong opinions uh, about on, it. Yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, they're so... They're, they're just... They produce so many that the, the quality does go down. Significantly. But mm. what, okay, what, what stand-up shows do you see as being timeless? I'm, I'm guessing it's Eddie Murphy Raw, right? Yeah, Eddie Murphy, Eddie Murphy Raw. Um, a few of the Chris Rock ones. My favourite Chris Rock special is uh, Never Scared is a classic. Mm. Um, I didn't rate Bigger and Blacker, which was his uh, third one. A lot of people really liked that one. I liked the one before. I've actually forgotten what it's called. <laughs> but it's a really good stand-up special. Yeah. The one in... It was 1997 or 98... Bring the pain. That's it. Oh yeah. Bring the pain. That is good move. Classic. Mm. I, I love it. Mm. And if you if you look at some of his uh, early, he had one called Big Ass Jokes, which I didn't I didn't I don't think that's his uh, best, but it was sort of his the launch of his stand up career. But before that, he had an uh, an album recording, which is the, the, you know this was an era when a lot of comedians would just record the audio of their stand up, and it's called. Born suspect, it's fantastic. Well, when's this made then? Make that would have been. I know he was my time. age. It was. Oh, when? How did he make it? Or no, no, when? No, how old? I mean, sorry. He was like, twenty five. He was twenty five. So he's my age. Um, it so would it was have on been cassette. Like big wheel. Probably would have been on cassette. Yeah. Holy shit! Wow. Imagine that. Being like, ah, I've got the new stand up. Yeah. New Chris Rock album, and it's a cassette, and it's not even that long ago. We're talking. 20, uh, it would have been early 90s. So, like 27, 28 years ago, probably. How far we've come. Yeah. <laughs> True, though. No, seriously, yeah. good on humans. Uh, <laughs> other timeless uh, stand-up specials. Well, a lot of the Carlin ones in the in the 90s were really good. My favourite George Carlin one is the one he did, like, like, I think it's called Live from New Jersey or something like that. There's one he did in New Jersey. The, the ones where he was just like George Cullen live and then would just say the location. Those were really good ones. Okay. And there's one uh, <laughs> where he, he started off, uh, there's a sketch he does uh, in a classroom about being the class clown. I don't know if you've seen that one, but that one was really good. Probably not really I've doing justice it, but... to the, uh, the fact that these are timeless by not knowing their names. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a very broad descriptions. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course, uh, Richard Pryor live in concert. That's um, in fact, most comedians would say that's probably the number one. If you, there's an interview with Eddie Murphy, and he said that's the best recorded stand-up set of all time. But it was yeah, before our says... time. That was the thing. Like I watched that, and it's just hard to get into it because it's just well, then it's not timeless. Because, like, if Eddie Murphy's Raw, like, I don't think I was born when Eddie Murphy Raw was made. When was it, 83 or something? 80, uh, 82, and then, Deli no, Delirious was 82, Raw was 84. Right. I think. Missed by both ends, but the... Close. Yeah. Very close. I, um, I think that if I went back and watched Eddie Murphy Raw, and it has been 10 or 11 years since I've seen it, but I still think that I would laugh at it. But exactly what you think when it comes to Richard Pryor, it's just, uh... It's not really doing it for me. All the references to, you know, Starsky and Hutch, and <laughs> but course. I do, I do think yeah. that 
Yes, okay, yeah. I think it's the same thing as Monty Python when everybody goes, you've just got to respect the fact that they changed comedy. Yeah, that's what I think that's what more what I mean when I say timeless. Okay. Mm. Well, if that's the case, then... See, this is the other respect problem with classics. Well. It's just so true, though, isn't it? Like, virtually everyone you just named then is black. They're just too good. <laughs> they are. Don't you reckon? I just, I honestly think that even <laughs> even rappers that are just trying, they're not even trying to be funny. They're just talking and then they just come up with funny things on the fly. And you know what else as well is the really, really unfair aspect that they have as well. It's just the flow that they have when they talk. They can say unoriginal jokes and it still hits because they just have a natural delivery. That's, yeah... Why do you think that is? I don't know. I think it has something to do with timing. And this is something that I've learned over and over again, basically just from listening to black comedians, because I've studied comedy academically. But it's one thing that they it's a very always say... It's a, well, particularly like black uh, American culture, it's very artistic. and. Um, but particularly when it comes to dance and music, yeah. and as I think I've discussed this before, I think that music is very linked to comedy. And I don't exactly know what it is, but I think it has something to do with uh, the rhythm of it. Just the way that they speak uh -huh. is hilarious. And there's no other accent that really comes close to it because it's kind of like, it's kind of clownish and comedian at the same time. Whereas, like, a lot of other accents are either just clownish. Are you saying black people comedic. are clowns? <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, dude, it is kind of true. that The way that, because, again, you know, it's and, and we're talking about a specific type of black culture. Because, yeah. you know, you, talk, you listen to black people from the UK and they just sound proper British hoity-toity accent. And it's a nice That's accent. True. It's a really That's educated true. accent, but it's not funny. No. And it's the same thing when you come to, say, Obama, and he just sounds like somebody who went to Harvard. Yeah. It's it's hood accents are mm. funny, period. They are. They are. And so I think that there's something that's like... What is that? I, dude, I honestly think... Because that you want, the Western... City, sorry. Uh, no, you go. You go, go but on. I think that if you're going to be making something that is one of those timeless stand-up comedian pieces... Something has to shift in that rhythm. You have to come up with a way that everything you say... Because the thing is, I think I'm the same as well. I think a lot of Australians are. Maybe other people think that we're funnier than we are just out the way that we speak. Maybe. Sure. I'm not sure. But when I listen to you, when I listen to me, when I listen to Frenchie or Isaac Butterfield or whatever, like just the way that they talk doesn't make me laugh. It's a huge disadvantage, don't you think? That like even when black yeah. comedians aren't saying something that's funny, you're already smiling. Because they're like, so they've already got Jeez. that kind of, yeah, it's it's a huge disadvantage, I think. And so if you're going to be... a good point. Don't you reckon? it like that, yeah. I think that there's some mark there where it says, like, if, if you, you can't, yeah. You know what it is? You have to be, you have to be really working class. Because the, like, the Italian-American New York accent, that's very funny. Yeah. Yeah, like, hey, I'm walking here. What yeah. the What are you talking about? Like, that's just funny. Yeah. That's true. And actually... Now and the Western right. Sydney, like, oh, bro, what the... F what are you doing, man? I'm just doing this thing. Like, Damn. That's funny. <laughs> so are we predicting that the, the best comedian to come out of Australia is going to have to have a, uh, a like really thick, woggy accent? Maybe. That, or... They'd have a very, massive advantage. They have a massive advantage. And mm -hmm. also, I think that the other one... Because I actually think that the best comedian in Australia is Rodney Root. I truly think that. Yeah. Yeah, so they either have to have a really ocker uh, twang or a, just some sort of, just their accent and their flow can't, uh, can't be, there can't be anything posh or there can't be anything proper about the way they speak. That's very odd. Yeah. I never even thought about that before, but I think you're right. It is the yeah. fact that they're lower class. That actually makes you funnier. What do you think about um, Jimmy Carr or some of the, the posh British comedians? I think they're kind of shit. Really? I don't like oh, Jimmy I love Carr. Jimmy Carr. Well, okay, okay. I know he's so, let, let it's such this. a meme. Like, it's typical. He's, he's like, the I guess, the Carl Barron of... No, Michael McIntyre is more mm. like the Carl Barron of England. He is. 
I think that great. Jimmy Carr is good in a five-minute dose, but I cannot listen to an hour stand-up special of okay. just like set-up, punchline, set-up, punchline. I need something else. I need stories. I need opinions. I okay. need something to dress the joke around. It's better when the joke yeah, hits. Yeah. Don't you think that that's the real genius of Dave Chappelle? It's all, look, again, he's another example of that. His voice is automatically funny. But I think the other <laughs> thing that he has... And it's not as funny as it used to be, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Ever since he's gotten really buff. <laughs> Do you reckon? Yeah, he's got, he's got a much deeper voice. And it's nowhere near as funny as uh, the early 2000s. Yeah, it was better when it had more of a twang to it. Yeah. See, this is the really different thing about comedy that I think is like, I don't know, because I used to always think of comedy on one level for a very long time, which was basically just like a joke creation, the, the creation of the joke. But mm. now I realise, I think that's just 7% of the combina- combination. I think that most yeah, of it is in body language. And it's, it's the same thing of like, it's all about the delivery, but it is. And uh-huh. it's, I, I don't know how to change it. I, th- I noticed it actually the other day when I was in... Um, Hobart, and I think I did the best performance of stand-up I've ever done in my life. And I think it was because I had a Red Bull before, and I think that that persona suits me. Okay. I think that the funniest point I am is just an ADD, you know, man-child. That suits me as a comedian. Accentuating the traits about you that are already slightly funny, but then just exaggerating them. That's what a lot of the... Well, that's what you find with the American comedians. They're all... Just far more exuberant with whatever persona mm. they have. Mm. It's a very, it's a, it's that persona is is just is amped up as much as possible. Mm. Not always an energetic persona, but whatever the persona is, it's very it, like it's very character driven American comedy, isn't it? Yep. No, they do. Yeah. And actually, and that I, is funny. Yep. And I think that that's another reason why Dave Hughes has had... We've talked about it before, but what haven't we talked about before on this pod? But, uh, well, you were talking about Dave what Hughes, you need to do when you're 50. We'll get back to that. Okay. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just like padding this piece out. Mm. as like a bigger point to it. Of course. <laughs> There's method. Mm. But um, yeah, I think that that's what Dave Hughes does is because he kind of just comes on, as you said, with a character. And so that adds a lot to it. He is just accentuating a part of his personality. He's amping it up. And yeah, it definitely helps. I think that. So yeah, I think that's a good point. You know what? Uh, you know, there's different. How can I put it? Like the way you know someone's just a funny guy versus a funny joke writer is if you ask someone, "Hey, what's your favorite joke by this comedian?" And if they, oh, I don't know, but he's just funny. That means they're yeah. just a funny person. Yeah, yeah. So you know, you can ask, "What's your favorite joke by?" You know who is the perfect exemplar? Chris Tucker. Exactly. He is just the perfect example of that. It's the same. Like, act. What's your favorite joke of Chris Tucker? I don't know, but he's just hilarious. Yeah. And it's purely because his voice sounds like he's a helium balloon. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> it's, it is very funny, though. Isn't it? <laughs> it's hilarious. And you're exactly right. You know what? It's exactly what I'm saying. It doesn't matter what that man says. Yeah. Anything he says is going to be funny. That's the kind of thing that I, I think that that like, if you are going to make one of those all-time great comedic personas, I actually think that that is the trait. Mm, that's wow, the defining thing. Yeah, and it's, it's something that's kind of uh, almost ethereal. It's all it's almost indescribable what that is. Yeah, but I think the closest thing that you can say to it is character. It's hard to uh, it's hard to train in something like that. Or teach that. It's very natural, I think. It's almost... Unless you're completely adopting a character, then that becomes character acting. Yeah, I mean, look, I suppose you count Dame Edna as one of the greats, but... But that's where someone like... I know I just like... I always talk about how much I love Chris Rock, but if you actually listen to his interviews, he's nothing like his stage persona. He's very shy, softly spoken... Mm -hmm. Quite, he's intelligent, um, but then when he gets on stage and he's like, "Black women be like this," mm. <laughs> it's just compl- yep. it's yep. where does this come from? Yeah. So he's clearly uh, he's amplifying that. Yeah. Mm. So look, and mm. honestly, I think that really, when you look at it, because I've, I've noticed this a lot when you look at someone like Dave Chappelle, for instance, where a lot of the jokes that he comes up with, some of his jokes are very unexpected and very well delivered and 
he has a yeah. great way of doing this tactic where he kind of just plants the punchline. Uh, sorry, he plants the setup maybe ten minutes before and then puts the punchline way later when you forget about it. Yeah, he does that really well. Yeah. Um, but I think that in general, a lot of his jokes are. I don't want to say hack, but you, you can imagine anyone doing them. They're a bit. They're, they're they're not that original. I don't think. Yeah, I don't think Chappelle's joke writing is his. Uh, it's not his strength. Skill. It's not his strength, but he's yeah. seen as one of the greatest comedians of all time. Yeah, and I've always disagreed with that. Have you? Yeah, I've never. Damn, I've that's never, controversial. No, I know. Dude. I know. It's very controversial because I've always said, I don't know. It's it's not. It's you know when you just talk about comedians, you don't. You know, black comedy is not just like this subset. But I've always thought. If anyone asks me, I'm just like, yeah, Chris Rock's better than Dave Chappelle, hands down. And I think hands you are right. Down. If you're looking at joke work and insight, <laughs> but the, you know the crazy thing is, in an interview, someone asked Chris Rock who's the best comedian, and he's like, oh, Chappelle. <laughs> <laughs> so even he disagrees with me. So uh, you know who does uh, hit both? Uh, Patrice O'Neill. Mm. That guy hits both. Mm. He is hilarious as a person. And the That's joke true. writing and the ideas, all of it comes together really well. I think so too. Yeah. The, the thing that I do think about Patrice O'Neill though, that I, I always feel a bit too dirty after I listen to one of his stand-up shows. <laughs> I feel a bit depressed and sad. It's kind of like listening to Louis C.K. actually. But it's that's a bit disgusting afterwards. And it's great. Like, isn't look, that a that's just a sort of testament to how he's really exploring those topics and getting to the the you know the the meat of some of our like humanity's most embarrassing things to talk yeah. about. <laughs> that's that's yeah, a good it's thing. His style. Isn't it? Yeah, it's his style for sure. I'm just saying that uh, Louis C.K. seems to be an exception, and I think it's because he toned that down a bit. But I think that that's the main reason that Patrice O'Neill never really made it into the big leagues. I really think that is it. It was just his jokes weren't sanitized enough for a mainstream audience. When you when you say big leagues, what do you? I mean, he was pretty. He was pretty big, wasn't no, he? No, he was big after. He's like an artist, dude. He was, yeah, like he was big, big after, after he died. died. Right. He was big-ish. Like he would be yeah, on okay. panels with big comedians. Man, I know this. You got to. Like, anytime an artist dies uh, before it is expected, it just it it increases the value of their legacy so much. Yeah. Don't you think? I don't really know what it is. I don't know why there's this uh, okay. myth that comes out. But perfect example of this is, um, and this is going to sound harsh, but who was the guy from Fast and Furious? Oh, Paul Walker. Of course, a very replaceable actor <laughs> at best. No, and like I'm sure he's an amazing guy, and I'm have the utmost sympathy for his family. But everyone lauded the guy after he'd oh we've lost. One of the most art- like we've lost an artistic genius. Yeah. I mean, like, come on, <laughs> like he's a good-looking white dude <laughs> that, that drove cars. <laughs> yeah, he looked like any model in a Billabong ad. Yeah, and again, like th- this is not a, any. I'm not condemning him as a person at all. <laughs> I'm sure he's like a, a very nice guy. But it does inflate it. It does so much, and, and all the great. That just so, sort of. Well, yeah, Elvis, Michael Jackson, they died sort of in their 50s, 40s, didn't they? If if Michael, if Elvis had sort of died in an old age home at age 85 or something, I don't think he would be considered the king of rock and roll. Probably not until today. Passed on to the, the, the true rockers, Foo Fighters or something. <laughs> 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 you know, Jet. Um, but yeah, like, I, I think, yeah, the... the what I'm trying to say with all of that teasing out point is I think that these are really important questions to think about in that I've um, noticed because I just went and saw like a life coach maybe a few months ago because I just got to this point, I think, where mm. I felt like I, um, I accomplished all my goals <laughs> in the sense that, look, Maybe some outlandish dreams that I have of owning a castle or something, but in terms of what I, where I thought I would be at my life at this stage, it's pretty much exactly what I thought it would be. And so I needed some kind of guidance about where to go from there. 
and she she said the same thing that all psychologists say, which is, and it, it, it's the, the reason they all say it is because it's very true, which is that where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? And then she asked an even more pertinent question, which I think is where do you see yourself at the age of 50? Because I don't think that you ever really imagine that age. You kind of just... Mm-hmm. you kind of just have this image of yourself as you are now but with maybe more money you know like you don't actually think about uh a, a real life plan as such and i think that if you do have a life plan you're ahead of 99.9 percent of the population most people don't sure. think a year in advance then on top of that most people don't think 10 years in advance but you know you're talking about getting to retirement age what would you have done with that time and so when you're talking about something like that for instance when you just said i want to make one of the greatest stand-up shows of all time which obviously you're on the right trajectory for it but even just teasing that out what does that actually look like what what kind of person would you need to be to make that all of those questions start ticking off in your brain Mm. and it's instantaneous after you just ask that question all the other small questions about how to get there start being asked in your brain that otherwise aren't. And yeah. otherwise, you kind of just go through life thinking of your day-to-day, just watching, you know, like friends again. All of these things start happening. But if you have this huge life goal of what you want, some mm. massive thing that you're moving towards, there's this constant uh, dissatisfaction in the back of your mind of I'm not doing that right now. I should be doing yeah. something to move towards that. And I think that the reason is, and honestly, I'm very proud of this. I'm very proud of the fact that I am, at this stage in my life, an employer. In the creative art. Well done. Don't you think that's great? Well, so are you, man. Like, you really should be patting yourself on the back for that. That is an incredible feat. I mean, not to, not to you know, blow too much smoke up both of us, but dude... That's mad. Like, there's so few people in the... Like, most people dream to make a living out of the creative arts. Uh-huh. But to, like, start a business in the creative arts and be a boss in it... Extremely like, commendable. It's, it's, it's like, you know so few human beings have gotten to that point. And you were an inspiration for me um, in that regard, man. So thank you. Well, that's, see, this is a good thing. This is what I'm saying. This is why I like doing this podcast as well, because I like the idea that you can, just because most people don't have that influence in their life. And the only reason I think about these things is because I read self-help. So I didn't have that influence in my life either. Yeah. And just having someone around you doing that thinks, oh, okay, I should shift my circumstances towards that. Mm. And I think that this is one of the, like, I've been thinking about it a lot for a few months ever since I've seen that life coach and (laughs) go back and see her more than once, but because it was a discount. But the thing was, uh, she actually did just in that one meeting shift where it was because I just realized that was the reason that I was feeling more dissatisfied. Uh, even though I had accomplished a lot and and gotten further in a lot of ways than I thought I would be this stage in my life. So she was saying you're dissatisfied because you don't have that long-term plan to the age of 50? Yeah. She was saying that you've completed the goals of your blueprint and now you need to expand the blueprint. Yeah. Like like you have to think of an even bigger goal because the most insane thing about it is when I was 18... And I was thinking about where I'd be in 10 years' time when I was 18. I was thinking I'd, I'd be here. And now that I am here, the, the very what, first right thing... Right here in this, in this very apartment. <laughs> <laughs> in some stoner's house. <laughs> well, um, no, because like I didn't grow up in the Shire, but like I, I was... I was cl- yeah, more or less. I'm just going to say, <laughs> yes, a okay, town. a new Neil Colhat car. <laughs> it was a very insane coincidence. But what happened at the end of it was <laughs> that uh, it, it just, I, I realized like I, I should have been aiming bigger in that 10 years because man, 10 years is a long time. You mm. can accomplish a lot of stuff so, if you have a plan so, for it. So 10 years ago, did you actually set out a plan for yourself? Yeah. Okay. I had a vision board, man. And, and then what, I, were, what were the, uh, what were those, what were some of the goals you wanted to achieve in that period of time? Stand up comedian, mm-hmm. have a hot Asian girlfriend. Like, uh, <laughs> specifically you know, hot Asian, probably knowing my taste. Yeah. I think I was, yeah, it was even back then, even back then I knew what I liked. 
And um, then there was a... Yeah, like, okay, I had the idea of uh, being on radio, but then I just realized, dude, YouTube is this generation's radio. Twitch, yeah. all that stuff. Like, radio isn't a thing anymore. Podcasts no one cares. Podcasts are radio. Podcasts are radio, mm. and it's all evident in Podcasts the Podcasts are good radio. Yes. There's still well, commercial radio out there. I still, yeah, but I, I still respect the art form, but it's yeah. kind of just like opera. It's outdated there's sure like i mean yeah you can respect someone who's really good at opera i'm not going to go see it hmm. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's what i think of uh, commercial radio now hmm. right like i i really do like will and woody who are on kiss fm i think they're actually doing good for what they are but uh, really op- well opera is sort of the really high taste uh that, that just went it, it because all these other art forms really took over the uh the mainstream uh way people entertain themselves opera became the really high art and radio is just the opposite it's just the it's kind of becoming the yeah. really low art <laughs> it is the only art form i think that cinema you can listen will to in like a chemist that. huh i think cin- <laughs> so specific um but that's all i ever hear it on like all i ever hear commercial radio it is like chemist warehouse and news agencies i still listen to i still uh listen to radio when i'm driving yeah, but, but that's as soon as I get a car with a. Well, my car does have a Bluetooth connection. I just haven't bothered setting it it's up. It's dying out. Mm. Everyone's doing that. Mm. Everyone. I think cinema will become like uh, the theater today. In another yeah. in another tw- ten twenty, it's already happening. Uh, it, movies will either be. Ma- I've probably mentioned this in a previous podcast, but movies will either be massive money grabbing box office hits, like your. Uh, um, the superhero ones, Marvel and whatever. Yeah. Or they'll just be really artsy Oscar bait. Well, that's what's happened now. I mean, yeah, and it's already we're, happening. We're, let's, really. Yeah, let's not forget rom-coms. Mm. But that's all there is now is those three categories. Yeah. And, yeah, it's because of the diversification of media and that's – I guess that's what I was just explaining with the fact that I thought that I would be in radio, but I sure. essentially am mm. in radio for our time. All of those things have happened. Furthermore, other things have happened that are really cool in that process, which is that, you know, I'm, I am able to raise at this point in my life tens of thousands of dollars for charities that I like. Like at the drop of a hat, basically just by mentioning their name. Okay. And just, there you go. Um, so it's, it's, I am very, very nice. happy about the position that I'm in now. And also the fact that I have, because it's kind of like an influence as a, on, on our generation. Uh, I do like all of those things, but... Dude, you're the political voice of our generation in Australia. Well, here's the thing. How do you, how do you expand that? that? That was the big question. And now that I am at that point, I don't see stand-up so much as a challenge anymore. I understand. Look, as soon as you said that, I thought that's a cool goal to have, to make one of the greatest stand-up shows of all time. If you, if you have that vision in the back of your mind. You're going to get much better at your craft. By default, obviously, mm. if that's your goal in life, because you're just focusing on it all the time, you will. Is a part of your process always bettering your own standards that you've left for yourself? So that's something for me. If I've, if I've produced a stand-up show or made a, a great short film, I always want to make something even better than that. Do you think that you, do you, think that you achieve it all the time, though? No, not, no. So sometimes you go back and you watch one of your stand-up shows from, say, three years ago, and you think that was better than last year's. Occasionally. I think overall the trend is improvement. Yeah. But occasionally, yeah, I won't. There is some wine back. Yeah. But I think that that is part of the process as well, because what you are doing there, that, that means that it is getting better. If it's kind of just stagnant like this, you're not improving. But actually, that's the... That's the weird path and trajectory of progress because a lot of people in their mind, when they start going on like a self-help journey or whatever, they think their life is going to be like this. But actually, and I know this from personal experience because that was the first half of my 20s. In fact, that was three quarters of my uh, 20s was this, just being like... It has a weird trajectory to it and a bit of a roundabout way of getting there as well. But it's just having that vision again of just saying that I'm going to be here. Mm. And so you're testing out a bunch of other things. So obviously a lot of these things, not not even a lot of these things actually, because after a while you just get the skill set and you know it's kind of just tweaking it here sure. and there of where it's supposed to go. People need to embrace adversity in the tough times because those are the things that actually motivate you and and force you to, to grow. 
And that's the only time I've ever um, really sat back and contemplated how to improve. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, pathetic. It's just, <laughs> every time I've had a every every time I've had a really bad year or a bad, even if I just have a bad gig, the next night is always remarkably better because yeah. I say to myself, "Well, I need to be a lot better than that." Yeah, like last year I had a really bad year, and this year's probably the best year of my life. What well, in 2019? But why? Okay, so but let's go back to that question then. Why sure. was that? Why was it the worst? Why was 2018? Ah, there were were a couple of things that happened. Um, I wasn't enjoying making content at all. Uh, I I was still trying to impress um, not only other people, but I was trying to impress different hierarchies that I didn't even respect anymore. So I was still trying to climb, I say maybe the traditional stand-up ladder, I was still trying to make myself uh, known in, in traditional media. Even though I didn't like either of those hierarchies, I'd say things like, oh, the traditional media sucks, but I'd still have this weird urge to want to make it there to just sort of prove to myself that I can. But now I, you know, I thought about that a lot this year and I, and I just said, why? Why do I need to climb a ladder that I don't even want to climb? There's no point in it. It's just going to make me unhappy. It's a really powerful mystique and I think it is because we are sort of the boomers of YouTube in that we, we sort of saw the beginnings of it. And so we still have in our mind this visage and mystique of what the mainstream media was. Mm. But now that I look at it, I was watching Channel 10 the other the day. Like you look at it, yeah. You're just like, dude, this is just another YouTube channel now. Yeah, yeah. You can yeah, pretty much yeah. make the same stuff. Like, it's really getting to the point. It has no integrity, really. No. All the money's there. Ah, again, and this is, is something we talk about a lot. Yeah, but, but yeah, but it's it, our world. Like we have to. Yeah, exactly. And mm. the other thing is that I really think that once you get past that point, there's a lot of there's a lot of this is what I was talking about in one of the pre one of the first puzzles we were doing, which is that a, a lot of your life should be trying to pull back the curtain where the Wizard of Oz is, and I think that for okay. us that is a huge one. Yeah. Being in mainstream media, but then. When you are in mainstream media, say that you go into the Triple J offices or you go to the Nova offices and you think, dude, it's just slightly better than this. That's the difference. And then they just have a bunch of annoying ads put in between. And on top of that, there's no genuine interactions on it. Yeah. So I think as soon as you're in that world, there's so many downsides to it. It's that you see that everybody there has this constant fear in their eyes of Mm. I'm about to get fired. We, and they are one step away from it. We are the last generation, I think, that, that thinks that way. I think gen, Generation Z, who I think are people two years younger than myself, I don't think they see mainstream media as the pinnacle. They don't respect it at all. Yeah, uh, they probably see maybe like big film stars, they'll probably think, oh, they're still a big movie star. But really, that I mean, the big YouTube stars are just as big to them. I think that's true too, because when I look at my nieces and st- like... They don't give a shit about mm. movie stars. Mm. Yeah, all they care about is like, you know, I don't know, like fucking iDubs and shit, right? Like that—that yeah. that is their movie star in their mind. Mm. So yeah, obviously like the, the world has shifted in that way. And I think that that's just you, you breaking that. This is, this is the other thing about all these illusions in your mind, right? Once you break one of those illusions... That's when you see, because there's, uh, there's always something a bit holding you back yeah, and when you get into those illusions of like, you kind of know that it is bullshit, but you don't want it, to, it's, it's something about the human brain. It doesn't want to let go of the way that mm. it sees the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I think going back to what I said before, you need to go through challenging times to, to break that mold. Yeah. I yeah. Think that's what's happened to me anyway, when I've gone through uh not yeah bad experiences or i've achieved something that i thought would bring me a lot of uh happiness and it hasn't and then those are the sort of times when you really develop um more nuanced moral conclusions about who the the, the sort of person you want to be uh in life and the sort of things you want Mm. Mm. people need to embrace the the tough times no yeah think of it as a gift that's that mr nice guy what is it no more mr nice guy that was a good piece of advice from that book. Anytime anything bad is happening to you, you have to frame it that it's a gift or that it's a learning experience in some way. And religion does that very well. I was just watching this because 
Uh, Kanye West was doing some sermon at Joel Osteen's church. Do you know this guy, Joel Osteen? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and I was watching then all these Joel Osteen videos. And man, the crazy thing was like, I was agreeing with everything he said, except when he relates it back to God and Jesus. But he was saying, <laughs> um, you have to, whenever the, the bad things are happening to you and, and you think, oh, I finally I could, finally I could get rid of this coworker, finally I could get rid of this this person, finally I could get to this position in, in my career. That's the time when you need to think, how is this actually strengthening me? How is this improving my character? How is this bettering me as a person? How is this a gift? Mm. That's the way you have to frame it uh, mm. because mm. you're just going to be a much better person. No, it's true because it's very easy to get into this. This is the other thing that I think is a really good reason why you should be constantly keeping tabs. If you were to rate your life out of 10, mm. where do you think you are at the moment? And it's because of exactly what you just said then. It's because if you don't do that, your mind starts going into pettiness. And so that I think a huge factor in moving ahead in life and progressing is just staying out of a petty mindset. And that's why it's really important to have big visions of the future, to think about time periods that human beings are not designed to think about. They're only designed to think about the next day, really. Mm-hmm. So if you're able to constantly just keep shifting your mindset to that, and, and yeah, exactly what you were just saying then of when you are feeling those things of just like, oh, my work made is such a bitch and all of those kinds of thoughts, that if you can just figure out a way to shift your mind out of that quickly, which is, again, mm-hmm. what you're talking about with religion, and all the reason that they have that is because there's, there's that psychological pressure on them that God wants this to be happening right yeah. now. So that's one way of getting out mm, of it, right? But it's I God's think, plan. Yes. But I think that if you make your own plan, what's incredible is you end up achieving it and what I've learned from life is on the way, you actually end up achieving more. You end up achieving more. And I think it is because most people don't think into the future that far. Mm. And so after a while, uh, after a while, you just kind of start, it's, it's all such namby-pamby bullshit phrases, but... Uh, all, all the best self-help uh, ideas stage. are so cliche. Yeah. But... They're a lot harder to implement and they're a lot harder to actually uh, adhere to than you think. Mm, mm. And it's, it's that if you, it's, 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 look, I have to say it. It's just you start shaping reality around yourself. You start shifting what is Mm-hmm. the tangible real world around you just by having that vision. It's an incredibly powerful tool that is accessible to everyone. And that's why I highly recommend that everybody here just has that one question and they think about it. I would recommend daily, where do you see yourself at 50? Because as soon as that happened, I started shifting away. Because that look, what also started happening as well is there's this other phrase in self-help that if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Which is where I felt I was, is that I'd gotten to this great place in life. But once you get to that great place, if you're not improving, actually what starts happening is you atrophy and atrophy is just going backwards. It's just mm. a shortened way of saying that, that you, you cannot just plateau like this for life because what happens after a while is other people start getting better than you Mm. and they start copying where you are and they have more ambition so that it's an arms race Mm. and so the the way that you do that is you have to you have to come up with that bigger vision and the thing that i was just thinking is always innovate always innovate and i think that's that's now where i'm thinking and you can see it in how much content I'm producing now, in the people that I'm hiring, in the way that I think about how my content is produced, it. it's a lot more. Mm. It's a lot more uh, precise and targeted, and it's all around this thought of like, okay, now I have like a voice as this generation, but how do I become the next Rupert Murdoch? That's what I'm trying to think of becoming when I'm 50. Mm-hmm. That is my thought become now. Become the man you hate. <laughs> 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 Wow. Or at least a competitor. That's what sure, I want sure. now. I want yeah. a media outlet. I don't just want to be a voice. Well, you are. 
You already are. Yes, but but you can that, yeah, to, but you can always grow. Okay, because like yeah, I get like a reach of maybe five hundred thousand souls. That's fine, but Rupert Murdoch would be reaching eleven million. Yeah, that's the difference. Yeah, um, and so how do you create the infrastructure to do that? And all of those thoughts are how I think about life now. It's just pretty much what happens to every rapper where you think, what the fuck happened to that guy? And then he's just like, yo, man, I'm a producer now, man. Like, And they just do that. They, <laughs> they just take a piece of the check of everybody else. But I'm not even... That's the other thing, though. I'm just really not interested in money. But what I am interested in is influence. I'm very interested in that. Yeah, I mean, in, in artistic fields, the people... Uh, whose career has the mo- have the most longevity are the people who are always changing and innovating and altering their their product and their artistry. Mm. You always got and, and you got to be forward thinking about it as well. What's something that people have never seen before? What can I do that's not just sort of copying what the other YouTubers, the other singers, the other comedians are doing? But what's what's the way I can innovate this field? What's the way I can change the game? <laughs> and you, you know what? I think that you do that. I think that you're always trying different types of content. Yeah. That's cool. Because, mm. yeah, again, it is very easy to fall into that trap. And so it's just, I think, like, a huge point in life is just constantly fighting atrophy. And if you're even thinking about fighting atrophy, I think you're on the right path. Yeah. If you're just thinking, am I complacent now? Not always. You don't always realize when it, when it happens. Of course not. That's the battle. It's so deceptive because it's just whatever is happening yeah. in you. You can actually be quite right happy because yeah. you're content and you know, I don't have to do anything. I've achieved everything I've, I've wanted to. I can just sit back, relax. But yeah, no, that's... that's when that's when all the competitors go ahead of you. Yeah. Hmm. And it's, yeah, it's, it is that. It is, you just have to be slightly discontent with how your life is at this time mm-hmm. because otherwise you just don't have the motivation to grow. And it's, it's just, it actually is really intense life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thinking about your life like that, constantly just being dissatisfied, hurtling through a bunch of competitors, punching your way through the dark <laughs> until you die. Yeah. That's, I think that is the way that you move ahead. But I think another big thing that um, should address with this whole conversation is I think, well, from my experience, my, my personal experience and my experience talking to a lot of people who do have very lofty goals is they're not content and happy at the, at the current time. And they think, oh, I'll find my happiness when I achieve that goal. Mm. And that, I don't think that's, um, I don't think that's a, a good way to conduct yourself in that journey. No. Because you need to enjoy, again, it's a very cliche phrase, but you need to enjoy the process. You need to enjoy the journey. And I can only talk from personal experience because uh, I I wasn't a very happy person before I became a a semi-famous comedian in Australia. And I always thought once I get that, I'll, I'll be so happy, I'll be so fulfilled. And I was momentarily, but then that same discontent and unhappiness creeped right back in it's actually a mind it's i think it's actually altering your mind frame about uh, altering your mind frame which is really going to lead you to i wouldn't say happiness but content contentment because that's really what you want because happiness is always temporary like you're always happy you know you're happy when something good when you're with your friends and you're doing it but then it always just goes back to your base level of how, like, what's your, just your base, when you wake up in the morning, what is your base level of how content you are? Yeah. And that's what you need to work on, not just the happiness. Do you think you are content when you wake up? Uh, definitely, I've definitely made improvements compared to what I was a couple of months ago even, or well, a couple of years ago, yeah, without a doubt. So when you wake up first thing in the morning, is it a positive thought or no? You have to get into that mindset. Sometimes it's sometimes it is sometimes it isn't. Really? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't, and I'm I'm working on that. But so, I always meditate. That's one of the first things I do in the morning, and then I really try to change the frame of mind there. No, that's always a way. I think it, maybe it just is that. No, there is some people that just wake up happy. It's something I I've been thinking about a, a lot as well. Um, our dreams really affect our uh, our mind state yeah. throughout the night. Mm. And if you have a positive self-image, a positive uh, way of seeing the world, 
that will then go into your subconscious, which will control your dreams and you'll have good dreams mm. and you'll wake up. Mm. So I'm really, I'm very interested in like in, in dreams and the subconscious and uh, lucid dreaming and things like that at the moment. That's like, a, that's a topic I really want to delve into over the next couple of months. I would love if you could report back onto this podcast and sure. say that you have lucidly dreamt. I've, I've been aware I've been in a dream a few times. Really? Yeah. But were times. you able to alter the dream at all, or you just realized it and then you woke up? No, I wasn't. A, I was. I wasn't able to alter it. No, mm. no. I just sort of knew I'm dreaming, but I couldn't change anything. I think I even said to myself, "Oh, go do that. Go do that," and I wasn't doing it. It was weird. It's a weird experience. Fuck! This is such a hippie podcast, isn't it? And you know what else we're going to get into soon as well? Like you can tell, like it's just well, it's always just that, like you know, just like self improvement, lucid dreaming, astral traveling, demons and angels actually exist, man. Like it's it, it's oh, going we're not going that, that far. <laughs> but don't look. I am very happy about the idea that you're like going to start lucidly dreaming, and then the next one after that is astral traveling. I am. I really want to see that happen. Mm. What are, I didn't. What is that? Oh, it's just apparently when your soul separates from your body and then right, you can see that. your body. <laughs> okay. But I don't know yeah. if it's real or not, but a lot of people claim that they have had that phenomenon. Wow. So if it's not if it's not real, like at least like at the very least your brain can project that happening. Sure, yeah. But lucid I wouldn't even call lucid dreaming like a very uh you know, some sort of hippie phenomenon. It's it's a lot of people attempt to do it. Yeah. And it can be done. Yeah. Right now, I'm just right now. I'm just got a dream journal. So every morning when I wake oh, up, I good just write move. down my dreams. Yeah, that's what you're supposed to do to start off with, and then you figure out it, are there certain patterns in your dreams? Are there certain man? The crazy thing we have like a Spielberg in our head every night, creating these mm. these like amazing mm. <laughs> moving pictures for us. Sometimes they're really epic as yeah, well. They're better yeah. than movies you've seen. It's it's incredible. Well, I think that that's actually a really good move, and I'd like to... Uh, you know what, dude? And when you analyse them, you really start to think, wow, look at the, look at some of the subconscious ideas I've implanted into my, into myself. Can we These know some of them? Healthy. Or is it too personal? Well, what's a dream I had? Now it will get real hippie-ish. Um, <laughs> um, I was in an ashram. The most recent dream I had that I think I wrote down was I was in my high school maths classroom. It was really bizarre. I couldn't really understand what this one was. I was in my high school maths classroom. and But I, my, one of my primary school teachers was teaching the class. And she asked me to get one of those theater blocks. You know those blocks in drama? Those oh, theater, yeah. Yeah, and so grade. I'm going through these maths classrooms asking for a theater block. And then I came back and... and um, Pauline Hansen was giving a talk. It was just a bizarre dream. What? I couldn't. At I, drama. No, in this maths classroom. And then she Pauline was teaching Hansen maths. Was there. So yeah. I'm like, what the hell does this mean? <laughs> oh my God. And, you know, well, to answer that question, I don't know. I and had absolutely no idea either. You know what else I think is a total crock is those free dream dictionaries. I think that, that doesn't mean anything. I think you actually have to interpret them yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I would be very interested. It's just year to eleven see. English all over again. <laughs> Do you? I don't know why there's what so many the dreams that you have. Dream. Yeah. It's really scary how many dreams you have about high school. I actually I do have this one recurring dream where I'm always back in in uh, year twelve and the HSC is coming up and I haven't and I've skipped all my maths classes and I'm panicking about how I'm gonna fail maths because I've just I haven't gone to maths the whole year and for some reason the teacher never noticed. Why is math such a thing? I uh, yeah I don't, I don't know. Mm. Are you scared about maths? Does it does it bring up fear when you think about it? I don't think so, but maybe maybe in some suppressed way. It, well, it were does. you good at maths? Yeah, I was really yeah. Yeah, I was really good at maths. <laughs> I was better than, at maths than I was most of the English subjects, which is weird for someone who now has a career in the creative arts. Yeah. Hmm. So I wonder why maths is a big because it seems like every time like maths seems to be linked to fear. It doesn't seem like it's linked to really? happy. Well, you is that for me? Around... Just for me personally, or is that you. a general? No, oh, you, okay. you, you, you. Yeah, it is, isn't it? It is. Well, if anyone, it, the comments, uh, write down what you think these dreams mean. Because that'd be sick if somebody yeah. knows how to decipher dreams. Yeah. 
Um, well, I, look, that goes without saying, doesn't it? That would be sick. But anyway, look, that's cool. I guess we should end it there. <laughs> yeah, <probably laughs> but uh, yeah, again, I, I, I do think that this is something that should be really honed into people. Start thinking about your life mm-hmm. in large long-term chunks. Yeah, and I uh, I second that 100%. Cool. All right, well, I guess I'll see you next yeah, week, we'll guys. We'll see you next time. <laughs>